Hey everybody, it's GCR, nursing a white trash whiskey hangover, so um, here's the show. It's a trap! interesting episode of the geek cast live podcast i'm your host gcr and with me tonight pan galactic gargle blaster <laughs> and just him no one else <laughs> it's just it's just me and the gargle blaster tonight yep yep boy that's seen... not a title i liked as much as i thought i would <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the uh like the how it's made spoof um Oh, I just forgot what it was called. The Ricket, the Plumbus. Oh, uh, you ever seen that? Where it's like, where you ever seen how it's made? Yes. Yeah. So you go to talk about it's like where they where they they go through and talk about how to make like how they make toilets, right? Or carbon fiber fishing rods or zippers, right? Well, this is a. It was a like a how it's made, but it was for the Plumbus. That's fantastic. Live action or? No, it's animated. You haven't seen it? Like, it's in the show, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Then yes. Sorry. I thought I it was outside. It. I thought you were doing, like, outside the show. No, 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 no. And then they take the spleel or whatever they fucking say. The schleem. The schleem. <laughs> <laughs> the schleem. Uh, can you buy a plumbus? Uh, actually, actually, I believe so. I believe they actually have Plumbus sex toys, if I'm uh, not mistaken. I have absolutely no doubt that that's the truth. I believe you can actually buy a, a, a Plumbus, like, wank machine. Yep. So I think you can also just buy, like, a, uh, like a prop Plumbus on, like, ThinkGeek. Prop Plumbus. And then I've also seen, like, uh... A hand-blown glass plumbi? Is that the plumbus? I think it would be a it'd be a, a plum a plumbi. Yes, but it has yeah. to be. Right? And and presumably they make them into bongs as well. But I, I wouldn't know anything about that. I you know I've never. <laughs> that's never been a thing that I've uh, I've never uh, partook partake. Yep. Partaken? Partake. Sorry, I'm I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to find the the, the Plumbus sex toy here. Mm, excellent. Uh, your internet search provider will love that. That's how. <laughs> Plumbus. Uh, quotation mark Plumbus plus sex plus toy quotation mark Google. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that makes for a better search or not. I I think it. I think it does. Sounds oh, good you, to me. What you drinking tonight? Uh, I am drinking uh, Tullamore Dew. Ooh. Neat. Well, no, it's, it's on the rocks, but... Oh, ha! Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a gin and tonic. Nice. Yep. Just a squash of freaked lime. Nice. 
Scotch. Hey, how was your St. Patrick's? Uh, completely uneventful. Honestly. Yeah, mine, mine too. Yeah. Mine too. Stayed at home uh, with the kids, uh, watched some basketball, played some, uh, some games. Uh, I, I drank a lot. Nice. I loved your Facebook updates. They were cracking me up all day. Oh, well, thank you. I tried. I tried. It was, uh, it was a lot of pro tips. Mm-hmm. Pro tips. A lot of Zen wisdom. Uh, well, it's, it was a lot of wisdom. I don't know. My sand rake, I left that. It was in my other pants. Mm. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Touche. Touche. Uh, shit. Uh, no, I think have... I, uh, I think I just drank whiskey and read about the Holocaust all day. So, wow, you got to stop. I I'm doing it for my thesis. I just got to get through it. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought yeah. you weren't like, you're not joy reading about the Holocaust. <laughs> no, like, don't get me not wrong. No. It's, it's something that everyone should know more about. Uh, I just seems like it'd take you to a dark place. Yeah, well, there's there's stuff that everyone should know about, and then there's stuff that, like, you should probably know, but you probably don't ever want to know. And that's and that's been the range of things I've been reading about. <laughs> yikes! Yeah. Yikes! 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 Did they get it? I mean, are you? Are, are, what's what's the actual thesis about? Is it just about the hall? Is it? No, is no, it, I'm it, uh, I'm it looking can't at just be about the Holocaust. It's no, like no, Holocaust, no, no, like through the lens of home delivery services or something it's got to be like <laughs> that a would be amazing no uh, i'm looking at so i'm looking at how uh traumatic experiences can affect us on a genetic level oh. and uh what how how this new information that's coming out should inform uh the way we think about it especially in in terms of our theology of sin that's heavier than i expected yeah no, and uh it's heavier than I'm ready for. Not oh, <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, and so like the but the thing is is that uh so I'm I'm studying it primarily through the the lens of epigenetics, which is uh basically like if you imagine uh your genes as like light bulbs. Sure. Um that that they're all they're all just there. You're like your your body is a room and it's got light bulbs in it. And the the switches that control the light bulbs are what they call your epigenome. And they basically control the the way your genes express. And uh, what they've found in uh, people who, who have experienced traumatic stress is the switch is stuck in the on position on their stress genes. And so their body is constantly feeling like it's under, under uh, extreme duress. And uh, what's interesting about it, what they found in like the children of Holocaust survivors is that uh, they're born with that switch already turned on. Um, and so basically I, you, it's just... You, you haven't lost me. I just, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really, really interesting. And it's sort of like, okay, well, if, if this is true, then, then what does it mean for other types of traumatic stress? And, you know, is there anything that we can do about it? Uh, that kind of stuff. And so well, it's and, just... And, and what level of traumatic stress triggers that? Mm-hmm. Is being uh, uh, is being a soldier who returned from war tragic enough? Right. Um, exactly. Was nine eleven tragic enough? And is it tragic enough? Um, like it was tragic for me, but probably not tragic enough to change my children's genes. Right. 
So where is that? Where's that line? Exactly. Of, where's the Where's the tragedy line? Yeah. Uh, henceforth known as Ti. Tl. It's, <laughs> it's been a lot of gin. I hear you. Did I say it was a lot of gin or just some gin? I can't. Remember. I think you just said some gin earlier, but I, I believe okay. you. <laughs> it's a lot of gin. But but yeah, so it's just it's totally fascinating. And the reason I'm focusing uh, mostly on the Holocaust is just that's. That's the group of people about which we have the most data. Sure. Um, so, and then the second most, of course, is like Vietnam vets. And so the next couple of weeks, I'll be getting into those too. But. That's a, uh, I mean, it's, it's something you'll know a lot about. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, so, I mean, especially with my, my vocation and uh, when you consider the fact that the people in, I'm going to count you as part of, of my generation. Uh, the people in our generation are coming back from uh, the Middle East with uh, basically the highest rates of PTSD that we've seen since Vietnam. And so, uh, especially in the church, I think it's going to be something we're going to really have to reckon with and figure out how to help people uh, uh, break the cycle of trauma before it starts. Wow. Heavy shit, Maynard. Yeah. Cool shit. Cool shit. Really cool shit. I'm glad I I'm glad I married a geneticist. She's been very helpful. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine so. <laughs> so fuck. Yeah. I can see where her talents play into your thesis fairly well. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she helps me understand things I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, no shit. But I'm not, I'm not sure how to segue from that. I, I'm not either. That's there's no good <laughs> way. That's the problem with the Holocaust. <laughs> yes, it's unsegwayable. Unless I mean, unless you're segueing to other, like, and now that we've talked about the Holocaust, let's segue to Holocaust famous Holocaust deniers. Ooh, hey, speaking of which, uh, if you don't mind me stepping on my soapbox for a second, uh-huh. I am sick and tired of people who are not from Chicago weighing in on Chicago politics. Sure. Uh, I have seen nothing but news today about that, uh, that Nazi that ran unopposed. Right. In the Republican primary. Right. uh, Yesterday. Uh, He ran unopposed because Republicans have absolutely no shot at winning that seat. So they didn't run anybody against him. They didn't run anybody against him, because what would be the point? They would beat him and then lose to whoever the Democrat was. That's nice and that's a nice uh that's a nice misleading clickbait article then, huh? Yeah, it is. And it, it bugs the hell out of me because people are freaking out over nothing. Journalism bugs the hell out of me. Right? And as we know, everyone anyone who is anyone knows how much we all hate Illinois Nazis. Just like the Blues Brothers. You're goddamn, you're goddamn right. I so. hate them Illinois Nazis. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. As you should be. Fuck, that's... Yeah, I, I'm with you. Just, you know what? The same thing, too? Uh, people who are dogging on uh, Chicago pizza. Yeah, damn right. I don't know who's doing that, but... No, nah, there's people. I'm not going to mention names. But there's yeah. people, fucking people, saying that, yeah. especially if you're from St. Louis. Have you tried the St. Louis pizza? 
I I find it soggy and dissatisfying. <laughs> like a <laughs> like a sock full of cum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There it is. That's uh-huh. the transition we were waiting for. And now on to our brackets. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and now for a, a staggeringly quick bracket update. Now that we've now that we've gone with the now that we've gone to cum socks. Oh, yeah, what I should have said was speaking of cum socks, Brendan <laughs> Fraser is the titular. He's the name of my bracket. Uh, is she in a new show coming out uh, yeah. about some kind of small town sheriff investigating murders? No, no. I wish that's all. I be, I believe he is playing. For some reason, it's like the world's biggest thing now. They made uh, it's the 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 Getty kidnapping. I've never uh, even heard of it. Okay, there was a really rich guy, who's like uh, I think it was his grandson was kidnapped. Okay, and they 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 held them for ransom for like like this guy was extremely rich and they were asking let's say for 10 million which would have been a drop in the bucket for this guy right right um he said no uh, right because if you give the terrorists 10 million dollars then they win no it had nothing to do with that it's just uh, oh, okay my just... my grand my grandson's not worth that to me oh so shit they started sending back like they sent back like his ear and he was like i don't care no now he's worth less he took an ear away <laughs> So they just they just made a movie and it's it was a big controversial thing because the guy who played the grandfather was Kevin Spacey and then all the fucking shit came out about oh. him being a, being a terrible person. Right. And then um so they replaced him right at the end they did reshoots and they replaced him and and the actor who played him ended up being nominated for an Oscar but then Mark <laughs> Wahlberg was paid like 1 million dollars for reshoots. <laughs> but his female counterpart in the movie was only paid like $200,000. Mm, jeez. So it was like a big fucking to do because they both had to come in and do the same amount of research, but Mark Wahlberg got $800,000 more than she did. And then Mark Wahlberg donated all of his money to the Me Too movement. And it was really just a, it was a big controversial thing. Huh. But totally then, missed it. But then they started like made for TV movies about this incident. And okay. now there's this show coming out about it where I think Brendan Fraser plays like a private eye or like oh. the family's consigliere or something. Okay. I wish it was Brendan Fraser doing his best Sheriff Vicodin, but like yeah. but on like a comedy show. That would be fantastic. Well, that's what I'm, it looks like. So he he has never he looks more like Rodney Dangerfield now than Rodney Dangerfield. And it's not just because Rodney Dangerfield's decomposing. Right, no shit. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, he's... Brendan Fraser used to be, like... Well, he was a Hollywood it man for a while. Yeah, I, I remember him in George of the Jungle. And for a while, he had a very big, very robust box office, which is why Brendan Fraser's box office is so funny to me, because there was a time where he was... He had the biggest box office in Hollywood. Right. Um, now he's just Brendan Fraser. <laughs> right. Now he's in articles called like why Hollywood can't cast Brendan Fraser anymore. Right. Or <laughs> what on why... earth happened to Brendan Fraser? <laughs> right. Exactly. Or is, is Brendan Fraser melting? 
<laughs> you don't. Brendan Fraser can't get no respect. I started watching the trailer for that show, and I honest to God thought, is he playing Rodney Dangerfield playing a sheriff? How, how spirited is the casting decision? Or, or just imagine being like the pitch man. Like, hey, here's, the, here's my idea. You guys forwarded me uh, $20,000 to be here on this date with an idea for a new show. I think I found it. Get this. Brendan Fraser plays Rodney Dangerfield as a small town <laughs> sheriff. Go wild with your stories. I'm thinking half hour sitcom, probably Thursday nights. Like, That's awesome. Like, yeah. There it is. That would be like a fun Mad Lib game where you have to, unbeknownst to you, I make you choose an actor, Mm -hmm. a profession, a venue, (laughs) and then you just filled in all the key pitch. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would be so fun. Oh, that's amazing. That's actually a fun, you know what, I might make that card game. Bring it to a... Yeah. Bring it to Gen Con. Make $45. Mm-hmm. Gen Con season is almost upon us. I'm really looking forward to seeing all the underdeveloped games, playing Eschaton for four hours, and then right. uh, uh, seeing what this year's theme is going to be. Because last year's theme was um, like uh, ascending a mountain. Right. Yeah, they had they had ascending a mountain games, and they had uh, like Japanese uh, uh, heritage games or whatever. Japanese heritage, <coughs> Japanese kaiju, Japanese uh, mech. J- Japan and Everest were very heavy themes right. last year for some weird reason. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I noticed the same trends happen on Kickstarter. Yeah, it ebbs and flows, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, so uh, like, uh, actually, it doesn't ebb and flow because that 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 was the wrong use of. Yeah, that. I knew what you meant though. Um, you know. it, you'll suddenly get a big wave of like, like mobster games. Yeah, and then the you'll last, have just uh, mech games. When was it? Last spring, the big thing was mining games. Yes. So. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird, it's, weird. Uh, it's weird why it does that. Yeah. Well, it's it's almost like somebody sees the success of one game and then says, "I can reskin my game say, like do that." You, do you think it's like a? Do you think it's a, a group think? Um, Ooh. Do you, think it, you know what I mean? Where it's like an unconscious group think. Maybe. You know. Yeah. Just well, like you, you know. Say, uh, well, you see the success of a game like um, Exploding Kittens. Mm-hmm. And now there's there's so many games like that. It's they're all knockoffs, right? So I w- I wonder if that's what it is like a, an un- an unconscious. It's kind of like a the theme of Bag of Bones, uh, mm. Stephen King's book Bag of Bones, mm-hmm. in a weird way. Which we'll be talking yeah. about books later. So, uh, segue. I didn't mean to teaser. I didn't mean for. I feel appropriately teased. I know. Anyway, our we'll bracket. break down a brackets. Like, did you you threw in like a weird filter there to say that? Oh, I didn't mean to. <laughs> uh, in the Brendan <laughs> Fraser bracket, uh, the three beat the six. Um, 
Uh, Boss Hog the Defiler moves on and beat Tune In for Mayonnaise. Um, still strong, Pop Drock and Lochte, the number one seed, beat the uh, beat Joe Biden Vampire Hunter. Sad to see Joe Biden Ooh, go. Did it? Yeah, but Pop Drock and Lock Pop Drop and Lochte is uh. Are you sure? Because I've got I'm I'm looking at it right now on Facebook. Oh no, I'm sorry. You are no, you are correct. You are correct. Pop Drop and Lochte lost to Joe Biden Vampire Hunter, which is a kind of a crazy upset. It is. I would have thought Pop Drop and Lochte was. Nick's going to be sad to hear that. I think that was his overall number one seed. So, but in a year where a 16 beat a one for the first time, you know, it's right. That's okay. Um, it looks as if, uh, the seven also beat the two. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Uh, New, New York, number one, superfood. Phone shut down to me. Uh, is, has, has defeated Richard Marx's magic rope. Son of a bitch. Crazy. And then uh, in the final, we have a, uh, a force field goose, the four seed, beating Lechtmindenarsch. So uh, moving on from my bracket, it's Boss Hog the Defiler, Joe Biden Vampire Hunter, New York number one superfood, and force field goose. Crazy. Which, by the way, uh, beaten was uh, how we, we didn't we didn't do the full beating. Mm-hmm. On that one, we just went to beaten. Also, I think it's the only capitalized one. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> to f- fuck, man. <laughs> God dang it. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, now in uh, in uh, in the uh, the one cock ring bracket, or just as he puts it, the one cock bracket. <laughs> <laughs> Which right? is funny because I look at it like a like a cock bracket, like a like a cock bracket would be like a special bracket used in making <laughs> like making furniture, like like oh, ex, like gotcha. expert furniture makers when they use like uh, in a dovetail joint by the flange, they they would fix it. They they'd fix it with a cock bracket. <laughs> so That's... I just like like hey, I just need like I need I just need one cock bracket to affix this flange to the dovetail joint. That is hilarious to me because as soon as you said what that what that draws to mind for me, my mind went to uh, like an old timey ED solution. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, like like uh, Forrest Gump's polio brackets, but for your dick. <laughs> like like your uh, uh, son, your dick's got ghosts. You need to do cocaine about it. <laughs> yes. Exactly like that. <laughs> uh, like a tincture. <laughs> oh, man. So in the one cock bracket, the six upset the three. Um, the Arkansas round stake incident uh, has beat how Tim Burton did Batman. Um, the woefully underseated Fifty Shades of Greyjoy the 15 seed beat the seven well-met cactus, which is a glorious uh, episode title. I thought, yeah, um, I actually voted for well-met cactus to be the winner, but you know, uh, I believe I did too. It's not my votes. That it's not all about me. Um, it's true. Uh, his number one seed is moving on bad cosplay and under boob wax. Um, beat Tay auto magical John Ray <laughs> with mixed love. <laughs> John Ray. 
we'll um, and, and then, <laughs> while we're and at then, it. And then uh, his four beat his five. Um, Apple went bear glove, beat the Joe Biden Christmas. Excellent. So the four coming out of that one are the Arkansas Round State, Fifty Shades of Greyjoy, Bad Cosplay and Under Boob Wax, and Apple went bear glove. Uh, in the eight bit uh, Leviathan bracket, <laughs> Leviathan. Sorry. This one makes me giggle the most. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I just read it. Uh, an overwhelming favorite, Chief Reef Goose. <laughs> Chief Reef Goose. <laughs> Chief Reef Goose beat the inland hurricane. Uh, <laughs> David Lindelof's foreplay dice beats burning pube side. Uh, Modesty Sock beats a very conservative twerk. And our second 15 seed into the uh, Sweet 16, Solid Contact Hype beat Final Form Mason Storm, which I think is a goddamn shame myself. Final Form Mason Storm is wonderful. I'm, I'm honestly shocked it won. So, um, Even though I voted for it. Chief, uh, moving on, Chief Reef Goose... It's just even, it's just hard. It's almost hard to say. Chief Reef, Chief Reef Goose. <laughs> uh, David Lindelof's four play dice, modesty sock, and solid contact hype. And then in the, uh, the full name of yours was like, what? Foley Works uh, uh, Chips, Cheese, and Wobbly Things or something? Uh, Foley Works Ghost, Ghost Chips and Murder. Thank you. The, the four that made it out of that, rounding out the Sweet 16. Uh, what right now, as far as I'm concerned, is the uh, what I want to win. Uh, Carl Charles, Carl Charleston. We apologize ahead of time. Beat when you accidentally the whole series. Uh, the Colonel got his sit down gun. Beat wait. Don't go to the second dimension. Uh, the mediocre adventures of Illinois Smith. Beat punch a cop. The MPW takeover. And uh, the. Routing out the the, uh, the Sweet 16, uh, it looks like Rise, a Time Lord, and this episode suffers because of it, beat coming down with a bad case of the nuptials. Both the wedding-themed uh, ones out. Yeah. Yeah, but it's good to see that Carl Charleston, that cockless glitter hole, is still, <laughs> still available. Every time we, I watch the NCAA tournament, uh, I mean, that's all we watched all weekend. Right, and, uh, I loved it when Charleston played. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't look at the word Charleston and not think instantly that Charleston meant glitter horn. <laughs> that is tremendous. All I could think of. That's we need everyone listening this to associate those things together forever. Right, the second you hear the word Charleston, like you just know, it's like, all right, all you old timers, get on the floor, do the Charleston. Instantly think Charleston just means glitter whore. <laughs> and, Do the glitter whore. And Carl, cockless. <laughs> glitter horseshoe. Did, did you just hear my phone? What? No. I have my ringer on. And it just, somebody just called me and it rang in my ear and scared the piss out of me. 
Oh, Jesus. Nope. While you were doing that, I was uh, doing my best Futurama Richard Nixon impression. Oh, and you said Glitter Horse Chew. I did. Because it's Charleston Chew. <laughs> yep. Uh, we have a put-down episode coming up soon. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So I want to add some wrinkles to it. I think I might either add, like, uh, uh, your birth month or um, Nick's suggestion, which I loved, the style of shirt you last wore. Um, or are wearing, which is funny. You know, is it a sweatshirt? Is it a polo shirt? Long sleeve uh, tee. Long sleeve tee. No shirt. Yeah, and that's it, good. Really, it would create either a, we could either have a, 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 a three or four put down uh, deal. So you could either do, uh, you could do like first letter of your first name, um, latest style of shirt Last letter of your last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, birthmark. Ooh, yeah. And so you'd be like a, like a. I don't know if put down is what we're going for there, though. Or are we going for like a? I don't know. That one could be a cool, like, uh, like insulting horoscope. <laughs> the insulting horoscope machine. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like death by, like if I'm, you know, if it's like R might be death, Mm -hmm. uh, style of shirt worn, just T might be, um, uh, like just the phrase only comes with, Mm -hmm. um, uh, birth month is September, um, shoeless. And then the last letter of my last name might be, um. Uh, nipple rings. <laughs> Death only comes with shoeless nipple rings. <laughs> yep, it's not re- not really insulting though. So we'd have to figure no, out not how- necessarily. But we got we got to figure that out. I love doing like like I have no problem with like five different things. Or we just go back to our standard and we just have two columns: first letter of your first name, last letter of your last name, and it's just uh, if your name is. If your name is Carl Charleston, you are a a pigeon-faced fuck-wang. <laughs> Whatever it ends up being. And what is it? Isn't it like if we do all if we do two alphabets, don't each of us get to pick like 13? Yes, I believe that's correct. I think that's what it is. So it'd be like you would get to do the first 13 letters, A through mm-hmm. whatever that is. What is it? A through L? Uh... Uh, it might be M. M. A through M. And so, and then Rob would do N through Z, and then I would do A through M, and then Nick would do N through Z of the last column. And we would just, we just have a, just another put-down episode, which makes me piss myself every right. time I think about it. Pock-faced uh, weasel. And knowing that we can't reuse any of the last put-down episodes put downs right which i think that's going to really stretch us because uh those were all of our go-to insults <laughs> yes they were because i think both pheasant faced and apple john were on there mm-hmm. so we're gonna have to just yeah we're gonna you cannot reuse and i'll uh uh jude dave if you're listening gather that list up for us please <laughs> <laughs>
I may just have the file somewhere, but yeah, I think I, do. I, I actually have a put down wheel put together by our own friend Gomez, son of Gomez. That's right, you do. So I'll just I'll just consult the put down wheel. I wonder how he's doing. I we haven't heard from him in a while. You know, I reached out to him a little bit ago and told him we're doing another uh, another put down episode, and he said, uh, "Hey, that's neat." And I said, "Well, we'd love to have you come on," and he said he'll have to pass. So I don't even know if he listens to us anymore. Maybe we insulted yeah. him somewhere down the line. I don't know. Good guy, mm-hmm. though. Yeah, absolutely. Good guy. Still, he's still in Chicago, as far as I know. Yep. yep. So, I still, uh, uh, even though I'm nowhere near uh, where I ran into him before, uh, I still just expect to run into him. Sure. <laughs> you know, anytime it happens once, it's just like, oh, that's just the thing that yeah, that's going to happen all the time. So, Gomi, if you're uh, listening, man, if you're listening, man, check in. Uh, we'd love to. We'd love to reconnect with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we do, we did have something we were going to do tonight. I teased a little bit ago. Um, we're going to pull out some passages from books. Uh, this is something we are going to do with, with both Nick and Rob, and we haven't even addressed their uh, not being here yet. Oh, no, that's true. Um, because we don't know why they're not here. We think that they are together doing something together well, presumably they had such a good time when they were on together they just finally uh connected in a way that they've never connected before right so i don't know if they're i don't know if they're playing video games or if foot rubs um but good on you you know good for you too you needed yeah. a night off you know? you know what uh, yeah and and i'm glad you all needed to to make up so right and make out if that's what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, hey. So, you do you guys. Follow your stars. Yeah. Yep. Let the, you know, turn on the light switch. Yeah, locate it. Locate the light switch, turn it on. Find a little bit. Talk yep. it talk it dirty. Talk it dirty. <laughs> Could you do a choose your own adventure podcast? I don't know. Like uh uh if you want to go this way, please fast forward to this timestamp now. I wonder. I bet or you could. could. You do, or could you do it over multiple episodes and release them all at once? Hmm. Like, stop listening to this episode and go to episode right. four. Right. And then you'd go to episode four and you would, like, if you'd like to hear more about Joe's uh, trip to the frog hamper station where he picked up the bear pudding. Go to episode <laughs> five nineteen. I think and you would just go yeah. to episode five nineteen, and it would just be more of you telling the story. Yeah, I think that's that's totally doable. Huh. A lot of work, but a lot uh, of work. But we might try it. Yeah. Let us know if you want us to try a choose your own adventure podcast format. Yeah, and let us know what you think is the best way that uh, we could do that. Yeah. Hmm. I'm intrigued. Yeah, think about that. So anyway, uh, what we were going to do tonight is we were going to take just some books we like. We were going to take some passages from those books that have always captured us. And we were just going to kind of read them and talk about them and kind of geek out about them. Uh, probably won't be very funny. Who fucking knows? Uh, but it will, it'll at least be insightful-ish to what we like, I would think. Yeah, I sure hope so. 
So um, not knowing what Rob or Nick would have picked, uh, I could only assume it would have been something from probably Kafka's Metamorphosis for Rob. Yep. Yep. Or uh, Ayn Rand. <laughs> the Fountainhead. Right. Um, and I'm going to say Nick would have probably chose some something real, real new age, like a mm. uh, like a like, like mouse or uh, Jules Hope Light's Find Your Light Switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's probably. a big fan of Jules Hope Light. Yeah, he does actually. He uh, he he's been on that. Like uh, he's been texting me about it a lot. That's tremendous. So I guess he's been reading a lot of him. So that's exciting. I just crunched on some ice. Not too bad. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Joe, what 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 do you have? What I uh, want to share. I have the Dark Tower. Ooh. Uh, go figure. And I have uh. It's it's not my favorite scene from the Dark Tower, but it's it's one of my favorite scenes in the entire series. And um, if if you uh, don't mind me setting the scene uh, going into it, they have just oh, please. Uh, they have just infiltrated uh, the last safe place in the wastelands uh, to free the telepaths that are, uh, breaking the beams that are holding up the tower. And, um, they've basically come in guns blazing and, uh, killed all of the guards, rescued all of the telepaths, and, uh, they're enjoying a, a moment of well-deserved success. Eddie came out of the box office and embraced her. Hey, sugar man, hey, she murmured, fluttering kisses along the side of his neck in a way that made him shiver. Then Jake was there, pale from the killing, but composed, and she slung an arm around his shoulders and pulled him close. Her eyes happened on Roland, standing on the sidewalk behind the three he had drawn to Midworld. His gun dangled beside his left thigh, and he could feel the expression of longing on his face. Did he even know it was there? She doubted it, and her heart went out to him. Come here, Gilead, she said. This is a group hug, and you're part of the group. For a moment, she didn't think he understood the invitation, or was pretending not to understand. Then he came, pausing to reholster his gun and to pick up Oi. He moved in between Jake and Eddie. Oi jumped into Susanna's lap as though it were the most natural thing in the world. Then the gunslinger put one arm around Eddie's waist and the other around Jake's. Susanna reached up, the bumbler, scrabbling comically for purchase on her suddenly tilting lap, put her arms around Roland's neck and put a hearty smack on his sunburned forehead. Jake and Eddie laughed. Roland joined them, smiling as we do when we've been surprised by happiness. I'd have you see them like this. I'd have you see them very well. Will you? They are clustered around Susie's cruising trike, embracing in the aftermath of their victory. I'd have you see them this way, not because they have won a great battle. They are, they, they know better than that, every one of them. But because now they are Katet for the last time. The story of their fellowship ends here, on this make-believe street and beneath this artificial sun. The rest of the tale will be short and brutal compared to all that's gone before. Because when Katet breaks, the end always comes quickly.
say sorry. <laughs> he is such a master of Yes. You know, I mean, to, to make you feel, and it's, I actually think that uh, we kind of have a similar feel to the passages we picked. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a it's a passage so full of hope and so full of sadness at the same time mm-hmm. that like how you can how you could write that and convey that it's why you know what I mean it's why I can't I'll never be an author of a great American novel because I don't think I have that type of wordsmithing in me. Mm. As much as I want to say I could have wrote that, I don't think I could have ever thought of writing something so haunting. I hear you. It is, it, and it is. It really is so incredibly haunting. And it's like, uh, you know, for most of the series, he just, he foreshadows in like the traditional sense, you know, tiny hints here and there about what's going to happen next. But this is the first, this is uh, after seven books, this is like the first time that he outright says, yeah, someone's going to die. Right. And just the, it's just so, it's so full of like, how you can read something and both feel hope and foreboding is something fucking wicked. Right. Man. Yeah. Well, and, 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 uh, this time, uh, as I was preparing it for, for tonight, uh, I had the uh, the Avett brothers in my head. Yes, yeah. You listen to them, and you feel so you feel so hopeful, and then at the same time, you feel so like so sad. Mm-hmm. Both both sad for what they had to have gone through to find a place to write that song. So sad for them, right? But if you if you step yourself away from their. Um, if it's just a song and you take them out of it, you are listening to that. Like in the song, uh, no hard feelings in particular. If you listen to that, if you listen to that song, you are like, you're hopeful for the message of the song and you're hopeful life. And everything. at the same time, you're like so sad that life has put you in this place to have to make this song, make you feel that. Yes. It's, uh, and you're 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 right. It's amazing. I mean, it's it's such, and it's so weird. Maybe it speaks more to us than it does to than we think it does. But we picked very similar um uh passages. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, just not uh um themes mm-hmm. gotcha I'm intrigued I, I can't wait to hear what you brought um, let's see here I gotta I gotta I gotta find it I, I accidentally why in the world would I have canceled that out mm-hmm <laughs> 
Who knows? This, this pisses me off. So this, uh, I, I picked the, this is a book I read. I read this book at least, you know, this is so weird. If you were to ask me what's your favorite book, I would say, probably I'd say Feast for Crows. Right. Um, if you were to ask my favorite book series, best, you know, I would say A Song of Ice and Fire. I love it. My, my, my old first world love was, uh, I, was I, would, I would have told you I was a Lord of the Rings guy. Right. But I, I think George R.R. R. Martin is, I think his, his books are better than Tolkien's. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's sacrilegious. I love Tolkien, so fuck off. Yeah, well, and, um, and I don't think, I think without Tolkien, you wouldn't have George R. R. Correct. And I love, I love Rowling's, I love Harry Potter. You, you give me those seven, I, I could put those seven books up against, I think, Martin's seven books. Um, yeah, I, yeah. And, and it would be hard for me if you told me, if I pick one of those seven, the other seven don't exist. Right. That that's a that's a uh, that's a real fucking tough choice. Right. Um, but if you were to say, based on that knowledge, what's uh, the book I read the most in a year? None of those fourteen books, twenty-one books, whatever they are, when you mix in Tolkien's, right. none of those, none of those are in the answer. Right. I either listen to or read The Great Gatsby six times a year. I did not know that, to be honest with you. Abs- I love that book. I don't know why. I know that as an audiobook, it's only about four hours long. So as a guy who has about six hours a day behind, this, uh, behind a windshield, who listens to a lot of audiobooks, right. I can't, you know, I use your law account so i'm sure you'll see times where i've in a day's time i've rented like nine books yeah yeah i've noticed that and you'll say like what the fuck man you just put nine books on my account well it's because nah. i pick a book i'm not into it i pick a book i'm not into it i pick a book eh, not into it and it takes me a while to find well if i i if if i don't want to go through those choices mm-hmm. i know i can just pick the great gatsby and four hours later i'll be done with it right so I either listen to it or read it. I would I would say conservatively six times a year. Wow, I I, I honestly had no idea. And so the last the last three paragraphs of the Great Gatsby to me are so full of hope and yet bereft of all hope. Yes, <laughs> it's it's incredible. So. Most of the big shore places were closed now, and there were hardly any lights except the shadowy moving glow of a ferry boat across the sound. And as the moon rose higher, the inessential houses began to melt away until gradually I became aware of the old island, here that flowered once for Dutch sailors' eyes, a fresh green breast of the new world. Its vanished trees, the trees that made way for Gatsby's house, had once pandered in whispers to the last and greatest of all human dreams. For a transitory enchanted moment, man must have held his breath in the presence of this continent. Compelled into an aesthetic contemplation, he neither understood nor desired, 
face to face for the last time in history with something commensurate to his capacity for wonder. And as I sat there brooding on the old unknown world, I thought of Gatsby's wonder when he first picked out the green light at the end of Daisy's dock. He had come a long way to this blue lawn, and his dream must have seemed so close that he could hardly fail to grasp it. He did not know that it was already behind him, somewhere back in that vast obscurity beyond the city, where the dark fields of the Republic rolled on under the night. Gatsby believed in the green light, the, org the orgastic future that year by year recedes before us. It eluded us then, but that's no matter. Tomorrow, we will run faster, stretch out our arms further, and one fine morning. So we beat on, boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. Mm. I forgot it, about that. It, it's all metaphors. I mean, this whole book is metaphors. Absolutely. The, the concept mm. of that this, this green light is that future, that American dream, that um, I can search for this. I, I can go on after this, right? Right. And, and, but year by year, it recedes before us. So mm -hmm. I make I take ten steps forward. I take eleven steps back, but right, and it loses. But it, it, that doesn't matter because tomorrow we wake up knowing we can achieve the American dream, but also simultaneously knowing that we right, and that is like 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 fuck your couch, Charlie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> like, like how do you how do you how do you wake up in the morning and say, today's the day I do it, knowing? Yeah. Right? Joe, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, what did you lose me? Uh, how can you get up in the morning knowing? How can you get up in the morning knowing that you're probably not going to achieve the things you set out to achieve? But then knowing that tomorrow you're going to wake up and try to set out to achieve all the things again. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. so full. It's so full of hope, yet so full of, like, nihilism. Yes. Yes. Well, and it's, it's, yeah, it is kind of nihilistic, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, it makes me think of, uh, uh, Martin Luther, the Reformation, Martin Luther, not the civil rights, Martin Luther. Right. Um, uh, he said, if I knew for a fact the world would end tomorrow, I would still plant a tree today. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's very similar. It's it's the same message, yeah. And you know what the cool thing about about F. Scott Fitzgerald is as a as a dude, it's kind of like Stephen King who could just say words mm -hmm. that are like that are like, "Damn, you just said words," <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, 
what I nowhere in what I read is the best lines in the book. Right. The best line in the book is, and this this to me, the way he, the, the the I don't know if it's it's not allegory. I guess it's a metaphor again. The modesty of the demand shook me. And mm. then this this line right here. He had waited five years and bought a mansion where he dispensed starlight to casual moths so that he could come over some afternoon to a stranger's garden. Mm. Dispensed starlight to casual moths? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. How many, why aren't there, uh, there should be a hipster band somewhere named Casual Moths. Yeah, and dispensed starlight. Yeah. Hmm. That yeah, that is pretty incredible. It's oh. it's, it's wow. It's you know what's that uh, what's that line that we I don't know if it's in Stephen King's on writing or if it's uh, I don't know who said it, but it's uh, it's about uh, it was Chekhov. He said. Uh, uh, don't tell me the moon is shining. Show me the glint of light on broken glass. Mm-hmm. That's what Fitzgerald does. Right. He he could have said, he could have very easily, um, uh, could have very easily have said, he waited five years and bought a mansion where he entertained uh, strangers so that he could come over. But instead of saying right. entertain strangers, he said dispensed starlight to casual moths. Mm-hmm. Whatever, dude. You're the best at things. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, but it's I, I yeah I read I. It's funny that we had a very similar theme in what we picked, and I don't know if that speaks more to us as to what we like in in words, or if it's actually how we feel most times, or if that's mm-hmm. just something we think about. You know, I I don't know. I don't know either, but I uh, yeah I don't know. It could it could be the the literary soup <laughs> we've uh, uh, swam in together in our lives, uh, the time and place of our upbringing, and <laughs> right. It could be, it could be. Yeah, I don't know. Oh damn! Maybe I it's think... the fact that our maybe it's the fact that our generation has gone through more trauma. Right, uh, the Vietnam generation to bring this episode full goddamn circle. Damn straight. <laughs> uh, I wish I could remember the line offhand, but the my favorite line from Gatsby is the one uh, about it was it was I think it's in the last chapter, uh, or it's after that one woman dies from the car crash. It might have been Daisy, but it's the uh, Doctor T.J. Eccleston's eyes looked out over the Dust Bowl line. Right. Uh, I, I think that one's probably my favorite because it's just so ordinary. It's sort of saying uh, all of this fantastic stuff that's happening that the author really cares about doesn't matter at all. Because <laughs> this billboard is still here and it's still looking at the shittiest part of town. Is it? Is it uh, uh, Dr. T.J. Eckelberg's faded eyes? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, it's, I, I'm with you. <laughs> I do. I love that book. And see, like Daisy Buchanan, I fucking hate Daisy Buchanan. Yes. I fucking hate her. I think she's, I think she's the worst. And that's mm-hmm. just what, actually, I don't hate her. 
I take that back. I think she's just the worst. Mm. I'm just going to leave it right there. She's just the worst. Yeah. Well, to, I think to hate would imply some form of passion toward her. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, it's hard to have passion towards something you're just completely dispassionate about. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yuck. Yeah. But that's a book uh, I don't know that I've read it but once. And I, I hated it when I read it. Uh, but the more I sat with it afterwards and the more I watched the movie, uh, especially the most recent one, the more I came to love the book. Now, have you ever seen Robert Redford's Gatsby? I'm fairly certain I did in high school, but I don't, I honestly don't remember. See, I like, I like Redford's Gatsby more than I like DiCaprio's Gatsby. Mm -hmm. And I like, um, Sam Waterston's Nick Carraway more than I like fucking Katie Lang's Nick Carraway. (laughs) So, uh, that's a fair point. For me, I and I I never liked like the like you know the movie Chicago the Moulin mm-hmm. Rouge I've never mm-hmm. liked that that vibe that mm. that Gatsby had um, mm-hmm. and I mean if you're gonna put the acting chops of Waterston and Redford against DiCaprio and Katie Lang yeah it's not even a it's not even a challenge really. the combined acting chops make it somewhere else so. Yeah, they're they're completely. I'm 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 gonna say that I haven't seen the Redford Waterston one then. Um, that, or if I that, did, that it was name. during that period of high school that I slept in class. Right. So I would I would recommend if you, if you liked, uh, if you want to watch, it's actually a decent double feature. If you wanted to watch them both, mm, to do mm-hmm. like a compare and contrast. Because I'm not saying that the Capri one, the Capri that the, the, oh fuck, the DiCaprio yeah. one is bad. I'm mm-hmm. just saying I don't like it near as much as the Redford one. That's fair. That's fair. It it, it I will say, uh, and and maybe it was just the uh, the romance of the night. Because uh, we we went and we saw it. Uh, we 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 packed up in in Danger's truck and we threw. A, uh, we, we literally took a couch from our apartment and put it in the bed of the truck and uh, drove up to Slater Hill and watched it on the big Slater Hill screen at Purdue. Sure. And, uh, I mean, it was a starry, uh, a perfectly clear, starry night with no moon. Watching Gatsby. Watching Gatsby and, and drinking out of flasks that we brought with us. Sure. You know. Yeah, well, if any, I mean, anytime you have... Uh... Any time it's it's like it reminds me, and I've been talking about it a lot, but it's a great show. There's a podcast. It's I honestly think it's the most real podcast on iTunes. Okay, and it's not, and it's not because it's a movie network show, and it's not because William Rowan, who <laughs> is the host of it, is like the best at what he does. But there's a show on the network, the Movie Podcast Network, our network, called the Movie Moments Podcast. And it is it is where you, um, it's just you and William, and you offer up a movie that you have a a, a special moment, just a, a not not the whole movie itself, a, a moment in the movie mm-hmm. that touched you in some way and and stayed with you, and 
you both pick a moment from that movie. The guest picks the movie. Um, and then you talk about it. That's, and that's the, excellent. That's the whole premise. Um, uh, you should actually, I, I would, uh, the concept of watching, uh, you know, watching Gatsby at Slater Hill. I mean, that's a, that's a movie moment. Mm-hmm. moment you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you should probably, I mean, I, I would encourage you to uh, reach out to William Rowan. Uh, he knows who you are. Um, he listens to the show um, and tell him, Hey, I want to be on the show because that uh, I would love to hear, to hear that. I would love to hear your movie moments. Yeah. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, I went on there. uh, I was on uh, the second to the latest episode uh, with the, uh, the fellowship of the ring was my movie. And we had Mm -hmm. a, we talked about that and then uh, I will be on a future episode um the movie uh because you record uh when you record with them you record a couple in one sitting oh nice um so i'll be on a future episode too for the movie the uh, big fish oh what a fantastic movie <laughs> yeah it's a great movie and and actually one of the cool things about the movie moments podcast is if if you and william the host have the same moment it's a magic moment <laughs> and uh and there is uh some sort of celebration or skullduggery to be had at that That's time. But excellent. I presume it's uh like a snail, a cricket, and a ladybug playing mariachi music. Pretty much. Excellent. I would recommend there's an episode with our very own Jason Piles. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's twenty eight days later. Um if you want to find yourself uh solemnly shedding like a like uh, a handful of tears mm-hmm. during a real deep moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would listen to the episode. I would listen to the twenty eight days episode. Uh, t- t- to clarify my comment earlier about how just how real this show is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's an episode with uh, Josh Legary and William, who are uh, childhood friends, and mm-hmm. they have the the show's first ever magic moment. Oh, nice. Um, and they uh. Uh, William, I don't think anyone's ashamed of it, but William is very embarrassed of the awkwardness of the moment. But it's mm. it's amazingly beautiful what happens. Mm. So I would that that's uh, those are some plugs that yeah. I would throw out there. Be uh, some pre Geek Weekly plugs, if you will. Yeah, yeah, damn right. So I would, I would, uh, I would, I think you would really enjoy those episodes. Yeah, I, th- I think it's. I mean, you sold me. <laughs> so what do you be, what have you been geeking on this week? I uh, I finally have decided to start going back into Shield. Oh, like uh, Agents of Shield. Yeah, Agents of Shield. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I'm part of the Strategic Homeland. Uh, <laughs> it's like okay, cool. Like Enforcement and Logistics Division, or whatever the hell it is. Do you know why they named it that? Because it was the only way they could make the acronym work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> could have just called it Shield, but yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, I uh, the last time I I watched it, uh, Grant Ward had been taken over by uh, Agents of Shield's version of the Shadow Monster from Lost. Yes, that was my last time. So that had to be ep- what is that? Season three. 
Yeah, but it was it was the mid season finale of season three. Right. Um and it was it was at a point where I was I was getting to a point in school where I was like, ah, I don't really have time to be watching this uh every Tuesday night. And on top of that, uh Ward just got eaten by the shadow monster from Lost, so I'm out. Right. Um but uh the thing is is that uh my younger brother Michael and I don't have a lot that we uh, can talk about generally speaking because our our interests are so diverse generally speaking right, right and so but he he watches a lot of these shows pretty religiously um uh Agents of Shield Arrow the Flash um he tunes in weekly for these things and so I, I have tried to to make it a thing that I do uh, to have something at least that we can connect on uh, outside of our shared childhood trauma. Sure. Um, <laughs> and or a bottle of liquor. Uh, I, I, just, I, I try to watch these shows. And so I, I decided to, to commit to getting back into S.H.I.E.L.D. And uh, it actually, if you, can, if you can get over the fact that it's the Shadow Monster from Lost all over again, um it's actually really good and it uh you know how that show has that weird ramp up from being the worst show on television to being one of the best yeah and then and then yes yeah it it dips back down a little bit but then it it actually keeps going uh yeah i would actually say it it i am finding that it gets exponentially better toward the end of that season huh well maybe you've sold me so I give it a shot. If you don't like it, uh, don't finish it, you know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I've actually, I've, I powered through the, the end of season three and really enjoyed it. It actually, uh, there was a moment in, in one of the episodes that made me, uh, I actually started to cry. Huh? And it was like, how the fuck did these characters who I gave no shits about ever, uh, the way that they leave and the the emotionality of it is so impactful that I honestly was just like, like what the what is happening right now? Why am I feeling these feelings? Uh, I couldn't what, believe they made me what feel. What the it. actual fuck is happening? Yeah, how dare they make me feel things for these fuckholes? To be honest with you, I hate the I, I hate these. They're my two least favorite characters on the show, and the way that they they ended up leaving the show was so emotionally impactful that i'm actually angry about it so i want to i almost want to know who the characters are now yeah well it's it's that uh annoying cockney chap and uh his oh it's uh yeah yeah yeah. it's uh it's uh uh, hunter and bobby yeah hunter and bobby a mockingbird which what's that mockingbird yes yeah all right i feel i feel you now yeah, it was uh, their their parting moment was was uh, it reminds me of uh, when uh, what's her name Beth on The Walking Dead sings the parting glass, right? Uh, which was the last time I felt anything watching The Walking Dead. <laughs> the last time I felt anything. <laughs> that show was my Daisy now. Anyway. Yeah, it needs to go to Mandyville, I think. <laughs> it's getting there. It's it's on its way. Yeah.
It's it's lived long enough to become uh it's moved past villain and gone right to right. uh nobody. Right. <sighs> but it's uh it's the Joker face paint off and mumbling to himself in the mental <laughs> ward. <laughs> Uh, I digress. What are you geeking on this week? Okay, so my wife and I love, we love documentaries. Yes. And we love Netflix, and we love things that just intrigue the shit out of us, right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's two shows we watched. Uh, one is called The Push. Have I talked on the show yet about The Push? I don't remember. Okay. It sounds familiar. I'm encouraging you and your wife because you guys are both smart and you're both um, – you can't watch it by yourself because you need to have someone to discuss it with later. Mm. Yes. I think you've mentioned this before. Uh, it's a social experiment. Okay. Have I talked – it's, it's – it's the, 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 this, this concept is can you manipulate someone – to the point that they would commit murder. Hmm. Interesting. And uh, it's 69 minutes long, so it's just over an hour. Um, you have to wa- watch it go. The second you have a free hour, you and Lady Science need to watch the push. Okay. And then report back to me. Excellent. Uh, I, questions beforehand. Uh, yeah. Is it uh, horror-esque in a way that could cause my wife's imagination to give her nightmare? Question two, do any dogs die? No dogs die. Okay. Then we have we have at least have a game. I don't know. It shouldn't give anyone nightmares. Okay. Like, is it is it, like, scary on the level of Stranger Things? Not even that. Okay, it's perfect. Not, then it's not scary. Oh, okay. It's, it's um, uh, it's anxiety laden. Gotcha. But it creates a bunch of talking points. Like mm. it's a it's a moral quagmire. Interesting. Yes, I'm certainly Very. intrigued. Very. It'll. It'll. I want someone besides me on this show to have watched we could do a whole show talking about and i can't get into any more of it with you now without spoiling all of it so right. i'm not saying anything else all good you've you've sold me on it i just got to find a free hour now the second show that we've been watching and it's a six-part series on netflix called wild wild country hmm it is about uh, Bhagwan Rajneesh <laughs> and, okay. his, and his spiritual sex cult that moved to the small town of Antelope, Oregon <laughs> and as a theologian, Joe mm-hmm. you'll be obsessed as a dude who just likes to know about weird shit mm-hmm you will be obsessed. Hmm. What's the name of it again? Wild Wild Country. Wild Wild yep. Country. Uh it's about the uh uh the the, the Rajnishi. 
cult led by Bhagwan, um, also known as Osho. Um, mm. In the mid eighties, he 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 moved his entire cult from like from uh, from India, where he had an ashram that had maybe a thousand people in it, hmm. to he realized his concept is uh, currently, um, you know, at the time that he was, you know, the the sixties through the late sixties through the seventies. If you were a spiritual teacher or a guru in that part of the world, it was all about the spiritual and it had nothing to do with the material. Mm, gotcha. In fact, there was a lot of shunning of the material to make yourself more spiritual. Interesting. Well, his concept was, why do I have to be – why can't I be into the material and mm-hmm. still be spiritual? In fact, why can't the material make me more Right. Spiritual. Right. His thing was write poetry, bang on a drum, buy a fancy necklace, have crazy sex, mm-hmm. and connect to yourself, not necessarily even a god, just yourself and oneness and nature mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and the community. Right. Um this this dude rolled around in a Rolls Royce. Hmm. But he only had a thousand people in his ashram who were working and paying. Imagine if he had 10,000 or 100,000. Right. Well, my ashram's not big enough. That's fine. I'll buy like 66,000 acres of uninhabitable land in Oregon. (laughs) And then because it's the 70s, early 80s, you know, he's got guys who in the, it's it's the early eighties. So it's all power and big glasses and cocaine. Right. And he's got a, a a lawyer in Beverly Hills who's like the lawyer to the stars. He's the number one courtroom litigator in the United States. Mm-hmm. And he's getting fucking fed up with his job. He's in a prestigious partnership. His name's on the building. He's loaded. Mm-hmm. He leaves it all to Jeez. join the Rajneeshish hmm. because of Bhagwan and the charisma that he had. Jeez. And he becomes the lawyer for this cult. Hmm. This sex cult. Dude, it's incredible. I can't not watch it. That's fascinating. Six episodes? Six episodes. It is truly fascinating. Hmm. And it's just, I mean, there's people who, I mean, they're interviewing people who are still in the cult, even though Bhagwan's gone. And even though the, the and here's the other thing. Now, and then it starts getting into the true crime. There's like right. dr- drug trafficking and immigration fraud Jeez. and all sorts of shit. Um, dude, it's great. Yeah. If you get a chance a uh, wild, wild country. It's done by the Duplass brothers, hmm. uh, who are hilariously hilarious people and 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 great film people anyway. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, that's what I've been geeking on. Uh, the push and wild, wild country. Fantastic! I'm very intrigued. I hope so. And if you watch him, just you guys got to let me know because it's especially the push. 
Watch the push. It's an hour. It's an hour and nine minutes. Watch it and and the the. Uh, I would make it a if we were still doing do reviews. I would have made it a do review. Right. And we, and we would have spent an entire episode talking about it. Hmm. I'm so intrigued. So well, I hope so. That's why I teased it the way I did. I gotta write that one down too. Make sure I'm thinking about it. The push. So anyway, that was episode 206. Yeah. If you like that, uh, check us out on patreon.com slash geekcastlive. Throw us some ducats. Uh, and get on iTunes and give us a review. It doesn't matter what the review is. Right. You could, you could call Carl Charleston a cockless glitter whore. You could give us a five-star review, but then in the review say that this podcast sucks. Yes. Just give us a five-star review. Please. Please do that. Uh, Have a great afternoon. Bye. Hope you enjoyed that. I'm going to go drink some more tomato juice and try to live. GCR, out. Check this.